Okay. So welcome to Boston Faith and Justice's Let's Talk Faith and Justice podcast. I really do feel like that's a mouthful. Uh, I realized after our last um, podcast recording, which was really two hours ago, even though these will air several weeks apart, um, that I didn't, I never really introduced um, myself and Ivy. And because most people are listening, you're not seeing that we're here with you. So I just, for those of you who are new uh, or who maybe have been listening for several weeks and not heard me introduce us, I'm Elizabeth, the executive director of Boston Faith and Justice Network. And then Ivy is here. She is the associate executive director. And this is our eighth episode, I think. Every time, I'm not sure, again, even if we did it an hour ago, but that's okay. That's me. And that's why we have Ivy to keep us on track. Um, So we're very excited to have a conversation this morning, because it's morning for us, um, with a new friend um, to Boston Faith and Justice, who I just met maybe a month ago. Time is a very weird thing right now. Yeah. And she just has a really neat story that we were excited to share. So we'll kind of let her introduce herself um, and we'll ask her to do so in the unique way that has become a habit on the podcast. So let's get started. Yes. So if you can please introduce yourself. And we have a icebreaker question that we've been throwing out over the past couple of episodes of what posters you had on your wall as a child or growing up and why. <laughs> okay. Hi. <laughs> that was a very good question. Wow. So I, my name is Denise Ratley. Um, and let's see. Posters that I had. So I had a few, they weren't really posters because my parents wouldn't allow me to buy them, but they would allow me to take the um the top of the magazine off <laughs> and put on my wall. So I had um Jet magazine. Um, I can't think of the name of it, but it was like rap and R&B. So some of the people would be like Salt and Pepper or TLC. I was a huge uh, SWV fan. Um, That was my first cassette tape. (laughs) So (laughs) kind of dating myself right now. Uh, But yeah, so those were the people that I had Nucleus on the block and all those things had all those wonderful people um, on, on my wall. So Yes. I, I love it. I can relate to most of that. Um, you could say the block <laughs> and salt and pepper for sure. And TLC. Um, so you were reminding me that like, I used to do that too. It would be like, just going to really lose all respect from anyone like teen bop or like Tiger <laughs> yes. beat. Again, if you're a certain age, then you know what these are. If you're not, then you probably are like, what is that? But yeah, that's how children, this is how we used to get information and follow celebrities. We would go to the store and purchase these things made of paper. Um, <laughs> it's probably in your history book. So check that out. Anyway, For sure. So I love that. I really appreciate this question because it does like end up letting us not just see a window, but also into a person, but also into like that moment in time. Exactly. So, thank you for sharing. Thank you. For um, and to start off, we'd just love for you to tell a little bit of your story, like how you, your journey and how you got to where you are. Wow. Great question. And I mean, we don't have all day, so I'll try to keep it short. Um, so I, like I said, my name is Denicia and I grew up in North Carolina, a very rural part of North Carolina, not far from the South Carolina border. Um, and my family, because we grew up in a rural space or rural town, we also, um, had uh, a small farm. I would I would coin it as a farm. So we had agriculture where tobacco was our main crop. So, uh, but we each family actually had like gardens or particular animals um, that they will watch or you know take care of. 
And so I kind of grew up in that area, but because I also grew up in the South, uh, which at that time and still now it was pretty culturally Christian. Um, and I went to a uh, Black church, so I was very shaped um, by the Black church spiritually and theo- theologically. Um, and so spent a lot of my time, but I was a very, I mean, I was one of those children where my mom just probably wish and pray that I was a little more calmer. So I, I also loved Punky Brewster. So I love, you know, not dressing uh, conservatively. And so that that was always um, a conversation between my mom and I, a little tension of I wanted to wear purple, red, yellow, green, any color that I could find. She's like, you're not going out with me looking like that. So just always been one of those children where you're not getting in trouble, but you're just not going the way that, you know, they want you to go. So it's like, well, you shouldn't do that because girls don't do this or you shouldn't do that because, you know, that's people, what will people think or what will people say? Um, And so, and I talked a lot. So I also got in trouble for school for talking too much or taking over the class because I felt like I was able to teach better than the teacher for some reason. Um, And so just kind of was formed uh, with a a large family. I'm one of 27 cousins. uh, I'm sorry, 23 cousins on one side and then 22 on the other side. Uh, And so um, just a big family, loving family, fun. Um, And then, you know, school, because we were also in a rural area uh, and um, our education system was not the best. So but thankfully, I thrived uh, because that was important, especially if I wanted to play sports. So I was a cheerleader, a basketball player, and I ran track. So my parents were very keen on keeping me busy um, and making sure that if this is something that I was really wanted to do, then I had to work for it. Um, so my work ethic began to develop even as um, a young child. Fast forward real quick to um, undergrad. I went to the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. I obtained a degree there in human development and family studies uh, with a, a minor in African-American studies. Uh, and so that was a real formative time because I was away from my parents and so just had to learn um, how to be resilient, but also responsible. Uh, And so during my junior year of college is actually when I decided uh, to um, give Christ my life or dedicate my life to Christ. Uh, And that came uh, on the end and edge of partying a lot. And so I was like, wait, this is not how life is supposed to be. And I just didn't like who I was becoming and who I was being at that time. So I decided to... um, yeah, just go in full throttle, go in there and uh, trust Christ and and follow. Um, and 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 yes, 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 go into salvation. And so, um, after that, I after graduation, I started working or going to a church. Um, and I was very faithful. Every time the church doors open, I was there. Twelve a.m. prayer, five a.m. prayer, evening mm-hmm. prayer. Um, whenever the pastor would go preach, I would unfortunately lie to my boss and go listen to the pastor preach. And so I was just, I wanted what they were selling. I wanted what um, I believe Jesus was giving and Jesus gave. Uh, And so I was just one of those people that I read my, I mean, my Bible within three years was falling apart. Um, I mean, from spaghetti stains to tears to, you know, just pieces of the Bible missing. And, you know, I may get (laughs) canceled for that, but I just love the word of God. And um, it became and still is a refuge for me. Um, And so 20, 
I think 2006, I want to say 2006, see, 2006, I um, became a leader in that particular church. And then 2009, I was actually licensed as a minister. Um, and then, you know, just began to preach whenever afforded the opportunity. Uh, and so just really loved the ministry. And then in 2012, I decided to go to seminary um, here in Massachusetts at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. Uh, and that, I think, was probably one of the most pivotal times in my life where um, I actually had an opportunity to really think not only theologically, but internally about what it means to be Black and what it means to be a woman, as well as a Christian. Um, those, so those identities were really highlighted um, during seminary. Um, and that's where I got two degrees, uh, world missions and evangelicalism and then theology and ethics. Uh, so there's, of course, there's so much more. And maybe I'll talk a little bit about um, what pivoted me to do the work that I do during seminary. But I hope that was enough. I feel like I rambled a little bit, but yeah, no. I want to be fine some time too. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was, that was great. It's, again, I love hearing people's stories and just the way that um, God faithfully brought you to the places where you needed to be and gave you the things that you needed um, to bring you to where you are. So no, that was, that's great. Um, so do tell us a little bit about what you do now, either, either pick up where the story left off and connect it that way, or just what you do and, and how that connects to, you know, who you're, who you see yourself as, um, as a follower of Christ. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I'll pick up where I left off. Cause I, I think that that may, it makes more sense. So um, during my time at Gordon Conwell, I had to do a missions practicum and I didn't want to do overseas because there was this tension within and I still hold it um, when it comes to missions uh, that we are very um, eager and excited to do international and overseas. But there's so much work here to be done in America. So I'm very passionate about that um, and uh, I've gotten some pretty heated debates about it. So colorful debates, um, colorful conversations. So one of the things that I did during that time was I went to Arizona to work with Muslim refugees for the entire summer. Um, that was my first time visiting Arizona, and that was my very first time engaging with Muslims one-on-one and going into their community. Um, and that was life-changing. If I could do anything for the rest of my life for free, but still be taken care of, I would do that work. Um, it was one of the most, I would say, I felt like I was touching Christ every day. Um, I was around men and women um, who, of course, were Muslim. But their dedication to prayer and their dedication to their religion was very humbling for me. Um, and it was an, and the way, and, and we went during um, Ramadan. So of course it's the holiest month. Uh, I was there during Ramadan. So I was one of the holiest months, you know, of their faith. Um, and so to be able to sit at their table um, and listen to them, and, and a lot of times we didn't really talk about faith, but we talked a lot about them missing their homes um, and what it means for them to be here, but still love their country and leaving um, for, for various reasons. So um, I changed. I, 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 I remember having this spark coming back. And then when I came back, 
is when I, I, of course, I graduated, but then I went straight into theology and ethics. And I dealt a lot of with womanist theology um, and liberation theology. Uh, and when I mean dealt with reading. So I began to read uh, a lot um, of books from different, from various authors. Um, and that year I had two Black professors. I think at that time they were the only two <laughs> Black professors um, and Hamilton. Uh, and that was very instrumental uh, and my studies there, uh, as well as, um, you know, what I was learning. And then my last semester, I took a business ethics class, which I hated business. I thought it was an abomination to include business and faith because I was like, it makes no sense. Like, you know, and I will say that comes from being part of an entrepreneurial church. Uh, and I failed to mention that part. And I, I despised it when the pastor would get up and talk about entrepreneurship And so I took this business ethics class. Actually, one of my mentors was like, no, take the class. Um, It was my favorite class. I was like, who knew? I mean, I got, I I would beat the professor to class sometimes. I was just so enthused about this. Um, And it was really the ethics piece because he married um, the commandments as well as the Beatitudes to ethics and business. Um, And so if you use scripture for anything, I I mean, I will stick around forever. And so (laughs) um, after applying for like 30, 40 jobs, (laughs) only three called me back. And one of them was Babson College. And at that time, the role was assistant director of faith, reflection and chaplaincy. And it was part of the um, social justice. Our bent was towards social justice and faith and service department. And I just felt like that was that was who I was, who I was becoming. They were speaking my love language. Uh, And I loved it. And I got to oversee at that time, all of the chaplains from various faith, all of the faith groups. Um, I got to also go on service trips. I went to Tanzania to teach entrepreneurship. Mm. And I, again, so Babson is an entrepreneurship business school. So I felt like God was like, okay, you know, of course I have a sense of humor. Um, And I never thought in a million years, if you would have told the Denicia and 2006 through 2012, that this is the work I would be doing, I would probably definitely laugh and rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Um, <laughs> but I've, I found life here. And so the work I do now, I'm the director of religious and spiritual life. Um, I was promoted in 2019. Uh, and so I oversee this gorgeous chapel. And uh, if you have a moment, just Google Glavin Chapel at Babson College. Um, and uh, God is just giving me keys and territory in the sense of um, just being not only a gatekeeper for love and peace and um, kindness and compassion, but also uh, ethics, like just making sure that everything is as fair and um, as just um, and uh, equitable as possible. So I am extremely blessed and thankful for this opportunity. That is amazing. You have such a beautiful spirit and that is coming through so strong for me on this, you know, Zoom call that will be a podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in in your your passion and your hunger for service and, and to be, you know, a support and show up as God's light and love for other people, regardless of what their faith is or where they are in their journey. Um, I I just greatly appreciate. And can you share more about, you know, your role as as the chaplain and how you feel like God is most using you in that current assignment or position in your life? Yeah. Um, Well, one thing I've learned that God doesn't waste anything. 
And I remember saying, I do not ever want to sit behind a desk for the rest of my life. Like that is not my personality. And I do sit behind a desk, but I, there's not one day that is the same. So one day I could be, I I think I shared this with Elizabeth. I can't remember, but one day I had eight students back to back, non-planned. Um, it's like, as soon as one left, God was sending the next, it was almost like they were standing outside waiting. Um, and so my particular role is to be the college chaplain for, uh, this particular community. And I think because, because everyone has a different understanding of what spirituality and religion and faith is, my job is very flexible. So it could be from educating around, um, around intolerable comments or, you know, um, biases when it comes to particular anti-Semitic, um, Islamophobia, all those things. And, and, but also highlighting, uh, people who, um, may, are groups that may not, um, are not the Abrahamic faith. So it could look very different. Um, I could run chaplain meetings. Uh, like yesterday, I met with a faculty to plan an international trip. Um, it could be, I don't know, meeting with the president to help you know talk about holidays. And so my job description says one thing, like, you know, we're definitely helping with the spiritual climate and the religious uh, tolerance and celebration here. But what I do is much, much uh, vast than that. And so, and I, and could you remind me of that second part of your question? I think it was, in how do I feel like God is using me here in this? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, I struggled with that at the beginning because I felt almost like uh, a deceiver. And I remember being in my living room saying, but they're going to think that I'm not Christian because I'm doing this, or they're going to think. And I remember Holy Spirit saying, so who is they? Like, you keep talking about these they people. And I feel like God uses me, like, and I love how you say the light and the love um, just by being present, like, and, and I don't, I'm not someone to toot my own horn. Most people are blowing my heart. Like they're like, no, Denisia, you know, you are awesome. We appreciate you. But I've seen moments where I've shown up and it has shifted the atmosphere. Um, and just by being present, but also intentional, uh, for example, I am, uh, planning my baccalaureate ceremony and I'm very intentional about the diversity that is being highlighted in this particular ceremony. So I'm making making sure that as much as possible, all people are represented to highlight their voice, um, but to help guide them in that spiritual lens. Um, So I feel like God is really using me here in a very um, deep way, Uh, but also, and this is what I love, is that people are meeting a Christian that actually loves, right? That actually, Mm. I don't lead with, here, let me tell you about my Jesus. No, you're going to know Christ because you're knowing me. Um, And I remember one of the, so I have this, um, and I'll send you all a picture. I have all these thank you letters um, above my desk because there are days where I'd be like, y'all could kick rocks. I am leaving, okay? I don't have to do this. My parents will take care of me. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I have those thank you cards up there to keep me in my behind my desk sometimes. Um, but I remember two students, one was Jewish and one was Muslim. And they say, you know, Denicia, yeah, if you ever open up a church, we'll definitely come to your church. Like we'll come, you know, not because we want to be Christian, but we just want to come hear you. We just love you, you know? Um, and that meant a lot that, you know, you see this cross-cultural, this multi-faith inter- interaction where people are actually saying, you're helping me lay down my biases and my hate and even my uh, hesitation towards people that claim that they are Christians and you're making it more palatable, but also more likable. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, so I think that, and also because of the business and entrepreneurial bent here that I'm starting to really take that serious and how, I feel like, you know, Christ and the Holy Spirit can definitely help people when it comes to their values and their ethics and business um, and how they're making social impact in the world and to be citizens. So I know that was a lot, um, but and I hope I answered your question about what I do, but it's so I mean, I create policy. I meet with, you know, faculty and staff. I have chaplain meetings. I oversee. I do so much. And uh, I hope that answered your question. Yeah, yeah. I think it did. First, I mean, <laughs> for me, it did. And and so much more, right? Because you <laughs> went into a lot of different pieces of, of who you are and how that connects to what you're doing, which is just is beautiful. And I love like that vulnerability that you have that like, hey, I'm I'm good at this and I'm making a difference, but like also I doubt myself. And I think that that's so helpful to bring out into space, right? So those of us who think oh, I'm the only one who feels like, you know, I can't do this. And some days I just want to shut my door and never speak to anyone. Like I'm a bad person, but the more we talk about like, Hey, we all do this and feel like this and um, how we respond is the important thing. Not that we have these feelings. Um, So thank you for that. And um, I had a question. And then as I went on that, I was like, where did my question go? Wait, (laughs) Um, it's been implicit in a lot of what you're saying, but like um, this idea of like how, how you found your way to where you are, right? You've, you've given us kind of the practical journey, but as we talked about, I think before we started recording, um, a lot of what we do at BFJN is trying to help people um, find that thing that they're passionate about and the way that they fit and whether that's a job or whether that's how they volunteer or just how they are in their community. Um, I think for some people, it seems like mysterious. Like it's this, you get a, you get a note from on high and and that might happen for some people in their mailbox, but um, (laughs) I think it's really helpful for people to share their journeys the way you have. So would you mind making a little bit more explicit, like the ways in which you felt called and equipped um, to do what you do? Yeah. So I repeat, and I'll say this and incur, and I tell my student this, you know, I honestly feel like God doesn't waste anything. And, And just a quick example, I used to doodle in class all the time. And the same doodles that I use in high school and middle school were some of the same doodles that I would do when I was um, creating henna art for our Muslim refugees. Um, And so I feel like for me personally, I always and I still do struggle with this because I think the world tells you that you only have one purpose. You only have one thing that you need to do. I do my very best to fight against that. I mean, you may see me next week and I could be an astronaut. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with being an astronaut. I mean, just don't keep me in Mars too long, you know, but I just feel like, you know, I want to make sure 
where I am, I am still on that particular journey. Um, but for me, I looked for signs and I believe in confirmation. And I honestly don't believe that there's any coincidences. I do think things happen, but I also believe that things happen for a reason. And so I think that's the mystery part and how to hold those two tensions together. Um, But I did have certain signs and confirmations, but sometimes I just had to be like, you know what? I actually like this. I I get, um, I just this energy when I am facilitating an interfaith conversation. Um, and it's almost like an outer body experience where you notice yourself having a good time and you're like, oh my gosh, I am really flowing in this. And so those were, but also that takes practice, that takes community. I have amazing um, sisters here at Babson, a uh, community here that are not only my cheerleaders, but I aspire to also, you know, learn from them and be just as amazing as they are. Uh, so it definitely takes community. It takes practice. Um, but I did have some of the whole mystery piece, but a lot of, of what I found coming into it was I said, you know what, God, I am going to accept who I am. I understand that maybe one day I might want to be a teacher or a firefighter. or an astro- There was a lot of things that I still want to do in life. Like this is just one career. Um, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with saying, you know what? It's fine. My purpose is to love. My purpose is to be present and to deeply listen to people and help as much as I can. And I could do that at Walmart. You know, Mm -hmm. I could do that at Target. I would love to do that at Target, actually. (laughs) You know, Um, so I hope that's answered your question. I, I also... There was something I thought about that I wanted to share, but it it slipped my mind. Uh, maybe Holy Spirit will bring it back. But there was a struggle. I, I there there is a struggle, um, especially when you begin to compare and be like, man, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not preaching, or you know, I'm not. But my so it's okay. But you are making an impact. You know, I am. I know for out of shadow of a doubt that I am making an impact in people's lives. Oh. See, thank you, Holy Spirit. Brought it right back. Um, when I first arrived at Babson, I had um, spiritual or I would say religious trauma. I think that's the better term. Um, and so I was I was actually engaging or performing this role without an internal transformation. So there had some things that had transpired that had broke my heart. And that had harmed me, actually. Uh, And so I was just still enjoying the work because I knew I loved it and enjoyed it. But inside, I was still broken and hurt over something that had happened. And um, I felt like God sent two particular young ladies who are my deep friends now. They were sophomores at the time. And they found me, randomly found me, and they both were Christian. And they would come to my office once a week and want prayer. And in my mind, I'm like, if you knew where I was spiritually, you would not be asking me for prayer. Um, And I remember one of them just came and just laid out on my desk and was like, Denise, I need you to pray for me. Um, And I remember being like, God, I have not talked to you in a while, but this baby needs you, right? Like, so I'm going to have to move my feelings out the way. And I'm going to have to do what I know I've been equipped to do as a minister um, and what I've been called to do as a daughter of God. And so I did that. And then she started asking all these theological questions and I had to ship my theology books back home. And so I'm like, oh, my gosh. Um, But all that to say is that 
how I found myself here was actually even in that tension of not even wanting to do what I felt like. It was almost like God was doing it and I was participating and I didn't even know I was participating uh, because I, I would say, oh, I'm never doing that again or Mm-mm, I'm, I'm not. And then years later, I found myself in those spaces. And so I think that's the mystery where me personally, I don't feel like I, I had any control, but I was participating because I love God and I know God loves me. Um, and it just made sense. It just it just worked. Um, but I still do struggle sometimes with, well, maybe I should do this because it makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm right now in this season, I know that what I'm doing, I'm called to do. I don't know what next season is going to look like, but for now I am, I am content and um, satisfied. I hope that makes sense. Absolutely. And I just like, I got goosebumps at one point during that story. Mm. Um, I just really appreciate you kind of naming this idea that like we can have a purpose and a calling that's God given, but it doesn't manifest the same way throughout our lives. And I feel like that's a really important thing to understand that Mm -hmm. if you move on from a career or even a volunteer position or whatever, it doesn't mean you failed. It doesn't mean there's something fundamental. It can just be that that season is over. And so holding that loosely, I just really appreciate that you named that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's important. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and I also in relationships, I think in every aspect of life, you know, I, one thing my, one of my mentors said is, you know, don't take anything personal when you're in higher ed. And I'm still trying to accomplish that now because that is not easy, (laughs) that is not easy, but, um, but just learning how to one, be with myself and learning that, okay, I don't have enough energy to give to certain things right now. So let me preserve what I have. But it can look different because every story that we hear from Luke, John, Mark, and and Matthew are different, right? Mm -hmm. Like there are some that are the same, but every interpretation is different. Um, And I know that may not be, you know, that's not like a theological sound, but that's how I approach it. I'm like, well, it's okay. Like this season of my life is definitely okay for me for it to look this way. Um, Yeah. I just really appreciate the the grace in your voice, you know, to yourself, because I've definitely had those seasons where it was, you know, still working through traumas or what have you, that I just wasn't um, in connection with God, how I should have been, but how he uses us and uses other people to enter into our lives, to allow us to yearn for him in a way that he was seeking. And so you know, you mentioned at one point that you you were sitting at their table. I think that was in your story about working with the Muslim population, um, but just being available, you know, to other people. And I think as you talked about, you know, not wanting to be behind a desk, but and, and I'm an imaginary or visual, visual person. Um, and so I see, you know, somebody who is at a desk is typically welcoming, you know, is inviting you in, is, you know, the first space that you may see in an office. And so um, I think how he uses you at that desk or at that table um, yeah. is very significant as well. Mm, that's so good. Yeah, you know, and and thank you for that. I'm actually going to remind myself that when I'm annoyed with sitting at a desk. Um, and I, I, I remember going into the Arizona, um, season where I was, I don't even say what working with, um, I went in as a learner because I had so many biases towards Muslims. Um, 
And of course that that's easy to do. I, I 9-11 happened my freshman year. And so even though I didn't voice them, I know that they were in my heart. And so going into a space that took courage um, for me to say, and even as a black woman in Arizona, like, I don't even know what that means, but it meant something. It, it was, there was some, there were some racial tensions there that I experienced as well. But I remember just being, and they were just so accommodating and so hospitable. I mean, I almost had to ask my mom to call and say it was an emergency for me to leave. Um, and, and to know that I would go around people who were so hospitable to me with these things in my heart, that was the transformation. And I said, you know, like, God, how can, how can, I mean, these, if, if I'm a Christian, they praying five times a day and they're this, well, I'm not praying enough, you know, I'm not doing enough Or, And so it was just one of those beautiful exchanges. Um, but I've learned how to be content with being behind a desk and what it represents. Um, but also learning how to shift whenever I'm having those moments with students to come from around the desk, right? And mm-hmm. to be, have that personal, I've messed up so many silk blouses. <laughs> I've asked students not to wear mascara when they come to my office, please. <laughs> um, you know, but to have that personal touch and yeah. So I thank you for that. That that's definitely means a lot because I, I try to be that, that beaming light when people walk into this space behind the desk. So mm-hmm, for sure. Well, that's, that's awesome. And thank you so much for sharing all of this story. I feel like there's so much to get out of it. It's just mm-hmm. beautiful when someone is open about, you know, where they've been and where they're going. I feel like we can all find encouragement in that. So I very much appreciate, uh, we very much appreciate you taking the time. Uh, is there anything that we didn't touch on or get to that you wanted to make sure we talked about? Uh, no, I think we talked about everything. This was wonderful. And I appreciate you both uh, for this opportunity and the space. It's always great to reflect because sometimes you don't remember things until you're talking out. Um, and then you're reminded about one, the goodness of God and, and the faithfulness of God. And so I, I'm, I'm sometimes I'm always going that I forget to remember, um, that is is good to reflect. And I do have one thing, uh, and I, I don't know if this fits, but it's a practice that I just adopted a month ago uh, where when I leave my desk, <laughs> I push my chair, I pull my chair all the way back um, and I sit and make sure that I'm decompressing and releasing everything. And so when I come in the next morning and my chair is away from my desk before I pull up, I always pray and bring God with me. So it's one of those things that I've found in a busy, busy world that I live in, that it's one of those sacred pauses that if I can just pull my chair away from the desk, it, it kind of, you know, gives me that, that moment in my mind to say, okay, you're approaching work. Let's approach work with the Holy spirit, right? Let's approach work with the prayer with, you know, um, and so I want to just offer that, you know, however you can find those unconventional moments to acknowledge God, um, unconventional moments to invite Holy spirit and to walk with spirit, Holy spirit, you know, do that. It could just be random, you know, a doorknob, you know, you touch a doorknob twice or something. I don't know, but whatever it is that can just bring you and make you present is, has been life-giving for me. Mm. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. I feel like 
be still and know that I am God has been just resonating on my spirit as this conversation has gone on. And I think that's mm. just sums up some of what you were suggesting. So I appreciate you. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much again for taking the time. Really appreciate um, you sharing your story. Yes. Thank you. And I can't wait to meet you both in person. So I have to get down into the city. Um, but you're a remarkable women of God. And I love what you're doing. And however I can help or any resources that that's in that you may need or something, I, let me know. Thank you. We'll have to do that before you transition to your career as an astronaut. I'm just noting how many that was mentioned. I feel like that is maybe the next step. Absolutely. And it will be a pink or purple um, astronaut suit. Of course. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you both.